fighter when we found you. Become the warrior you were always meant to be. Critics have spoken. Captain Marvel is an origin story like no other. I won't let you down. The film soars. It's a genuine game changer. And now, it's the number one movie in the world. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Captain Marvel, rated PG-13, now playing. Hello everyone, this is Rico, and you're listening to another episode of Treks in Sci-Fi. This is podcast 724, March 10th, 2019. This week was going uh, to be either a, a repeat show or a guest spot, but I decided I'm going to do a, a, a short show, probably only about a half hour, maybe a little longer, maybe 35, 40 minutes. Uh, most of the show is actually going to be Vartok. He's got some cool uh stuff to play for you from the Orville television television show and that will be coming up here shortly on the podcast I'm also going to talk about a couple of things including my reaction to the new movie that you just heard a another TV spot for Captain Marvel all that and a bit more here on Treks in sci-fi hello everyone and welcome to the Treks in sci-fi podcast Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Again, welcome to the show, everyone. This is Rico, your host. A uh, couple things to start with. Uh, again, first, welcome. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. I hope you are having a good week, weekend, whenever you happen to listen to this. Hope it's enjoyable. And uh, also, uh, the um, the way to contact me is treksf at gmail.com. Uh, and also, uh, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that at patreon.com. Sorry, yeah, patreon.com forward slash treks and sci-fi. Uh, had a nice email this week from Nancy, uh, and she uh, she wrote me and talked about she's uh, starting to go through and watch all of uh, Doctor Who from the start. And uh, it was interesting that she sent that to me because the uh, I've always wanted to do that. I, I really started to watch Doctor Who in 2005. I had seen episodes of the earlier Doctor Who uh, over the years, but it never grabbed me. And it, it, once it got to a little bit more updated look and version, it re I guess it really wasn't the old look, you know, the, the early Doctor Who's, you know, these days, of course, you know, it has a certain like uh, low, low budget kind of low, I don't want to say quality, but you guys all know what I'm talking about. But again, it wasn't really that it, it was it was hard at that time to get into the old Doctor Who because in the U.S. at least, it wasn't as widely available and regular as other shows were. Even the reruns of Trek, uh, back when it was just the original series of Trek uh, being rerun over and over again, was very easy to find. You know, it was being played at times like every every uh, every day, multiple times a day. And keep in mind, this is before cable TV, folks. No Netflix, no cable te cable television. I'm talking about being broadcast on syndicated channels, good old UHF, that kind of stuff. People uh, that are that are uh, of that era know what I'm talking about. So, but Doctor Who from uh, from Britain was was 
not that easy to find. It, it would show up here and there, uh, but but certainly uh, not uh, like you can get it now, right? And I think when I first became aware of Doctor Who even, I think we were already at like the Tom Baker uh, or Peter Davidson era of Doctor Who. And there was really no way to watch the, the older stuff uh, easily at that time. So all that put together... But Nancy had written me, wrote in and said, uh, you know, she, you know, very, very graciously said she enjoys the podcast and talked about how she was going to start in on watching all of Doctor Who, which is, it's like watching all of Trek. I mean, it, it's it's like that many episodes or, or so, give or take a, a hundred or 50 or whatever, something like that. But, um, but anyway, the, um, it, it got me to think, you know, of all the series that I've watched over the years and. And, you know, there's a lot, of course, but, um, and, and then it also made me think about the, uh, I'm listening to, there's a couple of, um, a couple of good Star Trek books slash audio books out there. Uh, one is called the first, I think 25 years and one's called the, the next 25. I forget the exact titles, but, but they're mostly a series of clips and interviews uh, although they're not with the original people's voices, it's it's being, uh, I, I guess you could call it acted, voice acted, or re, or the recordings are from other um, people doing the doing, you know, saying, you know, hey, here's a quote from Gene Roddenberry, here's a quote from William Shatner or Leonard Nimoy, but I started in on watching or not watching, excuse me, listening to the second book. I re, I, I listened to the first, which was basically covered the original Trek. Uh, the animated series up to like the first movie or two, just before um, pretty much first couple movies, I guess. And then just before um, TNG era, the uh, TNG and beyond era is what starts the second book. But the reason I'm mentioning it is I, one of the things that they, they mention in this is how when TNG started even, uh, that there wasn't a lot, you know, TNG was going, you know, this direct to syndication thing, which that that was just kind of getting going at that time. Uh, you know, you eventually had a lot of syndicated shows in the late 80s, early 90s, things like um, Xena and Hercules come to mind. Uh, there are a lot of other little sci-fi shows, uh, Mutant X, Andromeda, um, but um but and and of course Stargate and and just a ton of things and the um but when TNG started there really wasn't much there there really wasn't much so one of the um the I think it was Rick Berman who says this quote or at least this is a quote from him in this is the idea of starting a, a both a syndicated television show uh, he was a he was a movie guy he worked in Paramount's movie division and moved over when this opportunity came up to be. Uh, one of the people working uh, behind the scenes, a producer on TNG. Uh, and everybody knows, if you're big on Trek, you know who Rick Berman is. He goes on to pretty much be involved in all the uh, many of the movies and, and pretty much every Trek incarnation up to um, through Enterprise, right? And he's not involved, I don't think, really in Discovery. I think he had a little bit at the beginning. I think they did some... He had some connection or he talked to some of the people working on it to start with, but he's not really officially, I think, part of it at all. Uh, but um, so he was talking about how how this was really a big deal. Uh, uh, it was a sequel to a classic or a cult classic show, Star Trek. It was science fiction and it was being done in syndication, not on network TV. So he kind of didn't really think it was going to take off. 
truthfully. You know, no one, I don't think, really thought it was going to take off like it eventually did. And then spawning other movies, uh, other series, and so forth. I mean, TNG, there, I always, uh, I think I even sort of talked about this on a podcast once. A lot of things over the history of Trek, uh, if they hadn't happened, you know, we, we would not be getting like Star Trek Discovery on CBS All Access now. You know, some critical points were, of course, the original series, but then bringing it back um, and having it be played in syndication uh, over and over again was important. And then, of course, the first motion picture, uh, which Star Wars was a big uh, contributor to, to making them realize a, a high budget uh, sci-fi film could could be a good idea. And Paramount wanted their own uh, franchise along that line, and then uh, and then of course TNG, uh, you know, starting a new wave of modern, more modern television series with Trek, and then eventually DS9 and Voyager and Enterprise, and now Discovery. Uh, it's some critical things had to happen. So, but um, I don't know how I got off exactly on that tangent. <laughs> I was talking about the letter uh, email from Nancy, and then Doctor Who and syndication. So. Uh, oh, again, welcome to the show. <laughs> the one thing I want to talk about, and then I'm going to play the first, Vartok did two different um, clips for me. They're each about, I think, 12 minutes-ish, give or take, uh, by a couple of minutes, 12 and maybe 13 or 14 for the other part, but uh, on the Orville, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about Captain Marvel, the latest Marvel movie, a lot of Marvel words in this uh, in this film, not just counting the title. So Brie Larson plays Captain Marvel or, or Carol Danvers, and I, I just actually got back. Uh, I saw it again today. I went and saw it on the Thursday night showing. They had this fan event thing, which uh, ultimately means you, you pay a little more money and you get this little cool collector coin. I did it for um, I did it for Avengers last year for Avengers. Uh, I've got that coin sitting here. The Infinity War coin. Now we got a Captain Marvel coin, so pretty cool. And uh, uh, the movie, though, I I, I was uh, very happy that it was it was as much fun, and I enjoyed it as much as I did. The there's been a lot of weird press about this, not press, but commentary, and uh, I talked about that in a previous podcast, so I won't won't talk about it again. But the um, but the point is, it's a great movie. Uh, I went on that Thursday night, really enjoyed it. I thought Brie Larson did a great job. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, it's not an easy feat to pull off being a, a, a superhero on, on a, in a movie. It, it really isn't when you think about it. Uh, I mean, you really have to sell it. And you can't be corny. You can't be, you got to be kind of genuine. Uh, but you, you, you know, even having like she has a, a fair amount of humor that she she is uh, that's in the movie that she brings. I think I think she's naturally kind of a funny person, so I think some of that comes through. And uh, I just very much enjoyed her her take on it and her character, and and the fact that this was set like about twenty years ago in the in the mid nineties was fun. Some great music. Uh, the movie looks good. It moves moves very very quickly. I was actually. The second time I went today to see it with my uh, my son and his wife, uh, Stephen and Marcy, my my son and Lynn, my wife, watched their their baby. <laughs> She's not as into these movies, so she said, "Sure, I'll, I'll watch Baby Bryson." And and then I took uh, took my son and his wife, Marcy, uh, Stephen and Marcy, to see it. And we all we all saw and enjoyed it a lot. She's actually read. Uh, my son's wife has read some of the comics. 
yeah, the Captain Marvel comics. So she was familiar with the character. I need a drink here. Hang on. But um, the uh, you know they both enjoyed it a lot. And uh, the 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 thing that uh, both of them said, my son especially, and he's gotten into comics a lot, was that he was kind of he had a little bit of misgivings or wasn't super excited to see it. He he some of the previews didn't thrill him that he was seeing. And he knows the character too, but uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. I'm not going to spoil anything, but de definitely go see it. Go see it in the theater. It's really fun. The There's also, uh, uh, of course, just like Marvel always does this, uh, they started, oh, I don't know, did they do it in Iron Man, the first Iron Man? I think, the, yeah, they did. They did it in the first Iron Man movie. The um, There are two post-credit scenes. There's one about midway, a little less than midway in. You'll know it's about that. There's uh, credits kind of go through this. They give you the big credits, like the actors and, and, the, and the big names of the, of the behind-the-scenes people. And then they go into that scroll of credits. There's, there's, sometimes there's a clip. There is a clip um, that's midway, and then there's one at the very end. Um, I, and I think the midway one is, is, is the biggie, uh, which I won't say anymore. But, uh, so, um, but yeah, it's a great movie, a lot of fun. I, I thought Brie Larson again was, was fantastic. I, I, have liked this actress for a long time. I, uh, I think I first saw her, there was this cable series, uh, on Showtime called United States of Terra, um, about a mother with multiple personalities. I, it was kind of a drama comedy, but she was the daughter on the show, and 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 I've uh, I think that was the first time I saw her. She's grown up a lot since then. I mean, I think that was probably it was about ten years ago. I think when that series was airing, maybe a little less than ten. And I don't know. I think she's about thirty now, so she was probably in either late teens or twenty, approximately then. But yeah, go see Captain Marvel. It's a great deal of fun. It's great to see Sam Jackson uh, playing a younger Nick Fury. Uh, Coulson's in it. Uh, again, these things are well known from the trailers. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, very, very fun and well worth seeing in the movie theater. And I, I'm looking forward very much to uh, it's not a surprise. Uh, you know, if you saw the end of Avengers last year, Avengers Infinity War, you know that at the very end of that movie, uh, spoiler alert, uh, for that, um, that Nick Fury basically puts out a call to Captain Marvel. So uh, that's how these things all get connected. And uh, and th there's actually a fairly, uh, well, there's an explanation for where she's been. Let's just put it that way. So, all right, that's enough. That's, uh, like I said, there's going to be a little bit of a shorter um, abridged, uh, not abridged, but a abbreviated uh, podcast this week. So up next is the first clip Um from uh, Vartok, our resident music expert, talking uh, about and playing some of the music of from the TV show The Orville, which I, I've been enjoying very much, and uh, the music is very good too. So here is Vartok uh, for his first part of this Orville, uh, or, or look of his at Orville's music. I'll be back in between to talk a little bit about what I think about The Orville show, and then we'll play the second Vartok clip. So here you go with the Vartok on the music from the Orville.
Hello, everyone. This is Vartok again with another music in sci-fi segment. For today's segment, I'm going to talk about the music to The Orville, Season 1. Set 400 years in the future, the show follows the adventures of the Planetary Union's USS Orville, a not-so-top-of-the-line exploratory ship in Earth's interstellar fleet. Facing cosmic challenges, this motley crew of space explorers will boldly go where no comedic drama has gone before. The music to the Orville Season 1 was released by La La Land Records in early 2019 as a two-CD set and can be purchased online for just under $22, not including shipping. The two-CD set includes a total of 55 tracks from all 12 of the episodes of Season 1. For Season 1, there were a total of four composers, including veteran composers Bruce Broughton, Joel McNeely, and John Debney, and newcomer Andrew Cotti. Seth MacFarlane, an Emmy-winning performer himself who has released four albums, paid special attention to the music for the Orville. The music was recorded at the legendary Newman Scoring Stage at Fox Studios, using a 70-piece orchestra, a rarity in today's television landscape. McFarland brought an American composer, Bruce Broughton, to write the Orville's main theme, and to score the pilot episode titled Old Wounds. I am sure all of you Treks and sci-fi fans recognize the main theme at the opening of this music segment. Bruce, who just turned 74 on March 8th, is noted for scoring for film and television including the 2015 miniseries Texas Rising, the 1998 film Lost in Space, Miracle on 34th Street, Tombstone, two Homeward Bound films, Harry and the Hendersons, Young Sherlock Holmes, Silverado, and much more. Bruce's main theme to the Orville captures the show's optimistic tone, don't you think? McFarland's intent from the beginning was to have the music scored for the show's drama and not for comedy. It is in the pilot episode Old Wounds, directed by John Favreau, that Seth plays Ed Mercer, a Union officer assigned to captain the USS Orville, along with his ex-wife, Commander Kelly Grayson. Things start out slowly, with a supply run to a science station but the action quickly escalates when the Krill invade. Let's hear track number four from disc one, titled Krill Attack, Shuttle Escape, from the pilot episode Old Wounds, where Bruce blends in the attack scoring with heroic renditions of the Orville's main theme. To me, if you listen carefully, I also hear some references to the frenetic pace in John Williams's Jaws. I just love it.
Wasn't that just great? How often do you get to hear film soundtrack quality in a television series? I'll tell you, not often enough. To score the entire season, McFarlane and team brought in three additional composers. American composer John Debney, whom I featured in Treks and Sci-Fi guest podcast number 626, had previously worked with John Favreau on The Jungle Book and The Passion of Christ. Debney made his debut on episode number two, which was directed by Robert Duncan McNeil, who earlier in his career played the character Tom Paris on Star Trek Voyager. In fact, if you look even casually, you can find Star Trek influences all over the Orville series. Debney's score established his penchant for triumphant, triplet-laden brass action music. He notes, The first one I did, there was a scene where Alara had to take over the ship and be captain. And it's tough to handle the responsibility. And she goes to get a shot of tequila. I did a number of versions because Seth wanted to comment on it musically without being comedic. The rest of the episode score features throwback references to stylistic approaches and instrumentation from classic science fiction scores, including the use of Craig Huckley's Blaster Beam. Debney noted that he worked in homages to some Star Trek scores that have been an influence on the show. I'm really giving a nod to some of my heroes like James Horner and Jerry Goldsmith, and even some throwbacks to Gerald Freed and Sandy Courage. Here's Debney's track number 12 from disc 1, titled Extermination Process Continues, Bordas Hatches His Egg, from the episode Command Performance.
Did you hear that blaster beam four-note rise in there? And now the poser for later in this podcast. In the original Star Trek series, Majel Barrett Roddenberry played nurse Christine Chapel. The ships had nurse. She also became the voice of the ship's computer. Do you know who voices the computer in the Orville television series? Stay tuned, and I will be back with the answer later in this podcast. All right, Vartok, thanks so much for that. Uh, yeah, that's a that's a good uh, good set of music there, and I appreciate that. And there'll be more coming up here in a few moments uh, from the Orville, from Vartok uh, talking about it. Uh, and I'm just looking over a, a bit of their Wikipedia page now. Uh, Let's, let me. I know I've talked about the Orville before a little bit, but let me talk a little bit uh, more in depth about this series. So Seth MacFarlane uh, it, it was always or is a big Star Trek fan, and he decided to really make kind of a throwback television series that started last was on last season that aired uh, really pretty quickly uh, just in the fall of uh, 2017. It only did, uh, they only had uh, 12 episodes, and those aired from, like like I said, September to uh, December of 2017. And I, I enjoyed it. It, it was, a, I, I felt early on it was a bit rough going. I, I felt like there was some weird comedy elements that, I'm okay, I love comedy, I like Seth MacFarlane's other shows, but it, it, it seemed like it was kind of, uh, didn't really, as you know, as people like to say, didn't know what it wanted to be. Was it going to be a comedy, a drama, or what? Um, and uh, so they did 12 episodes, season one, and it started out really strong in the ratings and then kind of dwindled over time. Um, and then uh, and then they um, they came back, it, it was, but it was a long gap. It, it was almost a year. It was actually a little more than a year. Uh, they didn't start season two until December, at the very end of December of 2018. So they were almost gone for a whole year, and um, they when they came back, they they had a pretty good rating, uh, but they've been quite a bit lower in ratings this season than than even their their lowest rated show last year. So, although it's been fairly steady, I'm looking at these these ratings here, uh, roughly three million viewers per episode, where the average for season one was more in the four uh, about. So they've lost some, not a huge amount, but. Um, but the thing about season two is it's gotten it's it's much more serious. There's a lot more um, drama and serious stuff. There's still jokes and comedy in here occasionally, but not uh, not like there was in season one. And I, I I I like it. It's also a very weird show though because it's kind of a throwback style show. It isn't really like modern television shows. It's 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 quite a bit different. You you almost think you're like watching an alternate universe's TNG because it's so much like TNG. I, I mean, the look, the the way they just sort of do the episode and the acts and the drama and, and just the style of it, I, I it, it's very TNG. feels like a very much like a, a 90s or late 80s to 90s uh, type of television show. But um, and I, I'm looking at 12 episodes in season one. I think according to what I'm seeing here, they're only going to do 11 episodes. I think they're almost done for the season. I'm if what I'm reading here is correct, there's only one more episode in uh, on March 21st for this season. I don't know if that's true. They 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 didn't say season finale in the last episode that I that I saw. So maybe this is just the Wikipedia page isn't updated. I've tried to look 
and search uh, the web a bit more for a number of episodes for season two, but I didn't, I didn't find anything right now. Um, uh, so, so there's, um, yeah. So I'm trying to read here. Fox renewed the series for a season, second season. I know November 15th was reported one of the 13 episodes for season one be held back and be used in the second season for season two. Um, let's see. On December, oh, here's another weird thing. On December 10th, 2018, it was reported the California Film Commission had approved $15.8 million of tax credits for a potential third season should Fox decide to renew the series again. So that's a weird bit of thing. You know, they, <coughs> excuse me, that they, um, that they, they're, uh, the California Film Commission is trying to push series because of, uh, you know, the tax credit they're offering. Huh. Interesting. So, uh, yeah, I like the show. Uh, it's fun. It's it's very, very different than than Star Trek Discovery. There's been a lot on the web, on forums, on Facebook about, oh, you know, or the Orville is the real Star Trek show on the air right now, not Discovery. And I, that's just, eh, it's just silly. It, they're, they're both, they're both space type shows. The Orville is, isn't, it kind of is like Trek very much they're on a ship they're part of a federation of planets they have a bad guy they get into trouble they visit planets they see aliens you know it's it's as if that's all means that's what trek is then okay but i i don't i mean to me star trek discovery feels like star trek i'm not going to get into quite you know a big debate about that but i i it's it's weird when people say that I, i don't i don't quite understand I know there's just this ongoing thing about Star Trek Discovery, and even though it's got renewed for a season three, it's doing well. This season is great. Uh, I I don't know what why people why it bothers them so much. Who knows? All right, so that's that's uh, all I really wanted to say there. It's a good show. Watch watch them both. I mean, why not enjoy it? Enjoy the this this golden time of great sci-fi on television, and uh, just just yeah, should feel lucky to have it. All right, I'm going to get uh, going uh, and let Avartok come back with the second part of his look at the music of the Orville. I'll come back after that and wrap up uh, the, the shorter than usual podcast for this week.
Hi, everyone. This is Vartok again. You were just listening to track number 24 on disc one, titled Krill Attack the Orville, from episode number six, titled Krill, composed by Joe McNeely, whom I will talk about in just a moment. First, the answer to the poser asked earlier about who voices the computer for the USS Orville. Recall that Gene Roddenberry used his second wife, Majel Barrett Roddenberry, for his computer voice on the Enterprise in the original series. For the voice of the Orville computer, Seth MacFarlane tapped his sister, Rachel MacFarlane, a voice actor who started working in 1997, providing voices on the animated series Johnny Bravo. And most recently, in 2018, in Star Wars Resistance, as the voice for Lynn Gava in the episode Fuel for the Fire. Joel McNeely, an American composer, arranger, musician, lyricist, and record producer, is the third composer who has scored for the Orville. A protege of composer Jerry Goldsmith, he is best known for his film and television scores. He won the Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Music Compositions for a Series for his work on The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. He frequently collaborates with Seth MacFarlane and contributes to various projects by the Walt Disney Company. Some of Joel's famous works include the score for the 1998 film The Avengers and the theme and music for Fox's Dark Angel. Additionally, he scored the movies Terminal Velocity, Iron Will, Flipper, Gold Diggers, Samantha, Virus, and Seth MacFarlane's A Million Ways to Die in the West. In the track Krill Attack the Orville, which I used to open this answer segment, you heard Joel's action music. In other tracks, Joel provides intimate personal music with quiet inspirational scoring. The fourth composer for season one was British composer Andrew Cotty, who has worked with Seth on several projects prior to the Orville. In the two-CD set for season one, Andrew is featured in five tracks, while Bruce Broughton has seven, Joe McNeely has 21, and John Debney has 22 tracks. So yes, Andrew is the newcomer. He doesn't even have an entry on Wikipedia yet, and his own website suggests he has only been active on the world stage since 2017. For Andrew, I have chosen to play track 21 on disc 2, from the episode number 11, New Dimension, titled Krill Ship Approaching.
Of the four composers for season one, I would have to say I personally enjoyed the music by Bruce Broughton the best. Even though he did compose for only the pilot episode and the main theme. The tracks by Joel McNeely and John Debney were close seconds. But then they are all M&Ms and I like all different colors of M&Ms. All good. So far, all the clips I have played were the big dramatic tracks featuring space battles, the krill, and such. Come to think of it, many of my favorite tracks have the name Krill in the title. However, to switch things up just a bit, I'm now going to throw in one more track that provides more of the sense of wonder and mystery with track number eight on disc one by Joe McNeely, titled Exploring the Bioship, from episode number four, If the Stars Should Appear. See if parts of this track don't remind you a bit of a similar track from Star Trek The Motion Picture. Well, that's it for this music and sci-fi segment. And now back to you, Rico. I will end this segment with the Orville end titles.
right, I'm back. Thanks, Vartok. Thanks so much for your uh, excellent, as always, look at the music uh, from a show or a movie. Uh, that's very much appreciated. And I've definitely, I've been posted on the Treks and Sci-Fi Facebook group recently that the music of the Orville, I, I've noticed it um, quite a bit more this year. And and in general, I, I, I really enjoy their music the it's it's very uh it's very fits the show it's very good uh and i i appreciate shows that that do a bit more with music these days uh background music soundtracks whatever you want to call it uh it's it's been kind of a fading art form especially on television and and i and i do appreciate that and you know this discovery i also think has some excellent music so thanks for our talk thanks for that appreciate it Okay, folks, that's it for this shorter than than average part uh, show for you. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, it uh, a lot of stuff uh, coming. We're getting almost into the uh, the movies of the spring and summer now with Captain Marvel starting. We have Shazam. I think will be the next biggie that is in. Uh, I think it's. Oh no, wait. I think it's Hellboy first, then Shazam. Uh, but I'll have to double check that. And then, and then of course, Avengers uh, Endgame coming. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff coming, uh, and looking forward to all of that. I got to actually take a little quick trip, uh, out of town this week. I'll be in, uh, California for, uh, a few days during the week for some work thing, but that should be fun. Although I don't think it's all that warm out there. It'll be warmer than it is in Michigan or has been. So, uh, and next week, I will be back. Uh, I'm going to do a, a show about books. I, I, I'm going to just talk about, you know, some books that I've read over the many years I, and some things I've read in the last year or two that I've been enjoying, a couple other things related to that. I love reading. I love books. I I, I, I listen more to audiobooks these days than, than read, uh, sit down and read a book, although I do both and uh, read a lot of comics as well. But next week's going to be book talk, we'll call it. Uh, here on Treks and Sci-Fi. So uh, one last thing, again, if you want to support the podcast, you can do that over at patreon.com forward slash Treks and Sci-Fi. Appreciate all those that have been supporting uh, the show over the years and uh, continue to do so. You guys are fantastic, and I really appreciate that. Okay, that's it. Uh, I'm out of here. Uh, thanks again to Vartok for, for all of his work for this week. I'll talk to you guys again next week. Take care. Bye-bye. This has been a Rico Dosti podcast production.